In this episode, I am very privileged to meet the person behind what is probably the most influential Tesla podcast in the world. I meet someone who works tirelessly in bringing us the latest Tesla news and events, and also achieves a great deal of interaction with a global audience. Yes, I'm here with the host of Ride the Lightning, the unofficial Tesla podcast. This is Ryan McCaffrey, and I am here in San Francisco. Okay, Ryan, so we obviously interview a few people in New Zealand who we think are part of the Tesla scene, but we achieve nothing like the outreach that you do. And I find it incredible that you have time to prepare this podcast of yours every week because you're also an executive editor with IGN. Yep. And you're a family man, so you have a daughter and you have two uh, dogs, obviously your your wife as well. (laughs) Sure. How do you do it? How do you find the time? Uh, efficiency. It's just trying to be as efficient with time as possible. Uh, that's a common request that I get, which always, it's coming from a good place. People are, people say, why don't you do video? I'd love to see you on YouTube. And that's that would break the careful balance that I have struck because then it's, it's setting up the shot, filming it, and then editing it, uploading it. It's, whereas the podcast can be done in my pajamas, with no lighting at all, in the total darkness if I wanted to, uh, and and it can be done at any hour of the day. In fact, it is done usually in the, the later evening hours on Friday nights. And so it's just the the flexibility for my schedule works, and you know nothing against YouTube or nothing against video, certainly. I mean, quite honestly, I'm probably leaving a lot of views on the table by not going over to YouTube. But I do like, I, I grew up, I guess I'm, I'm 43. I think we established we're the same age when we were <laughs> yes. setting this up. And, uh, you know, I, we're the last generation to really grow up remembering radio as a, as a, as a sort of popular medium. You know, now it's not that it doesn't exist, but it, it, quite frankly, might as well not exist. Everybody listens to, thank goodness, podcasts and, you know, streaming music services. There, there's not really, you know, the, the radio audience that's there is it's not nearly as let's say culturally prevalent as it was in the 80s, 90s, 2000s. And I, for one, and I've just always liked radio. And so I I like that with a podcast, people can listen to it anywhere. They can be walking their dog. They can be driving in their car. They don't have to be sitting there looking at a screen watching video. Again, video offers many things that podcasting cannot. But for me, I just really like the podcast format and and like I said it, it sort of works for me and my schedule and the, the delicate balance that I try to to strike in my life. You took the words out of my mouth Ryan I thought this may happen when two interviewers talk to each other uh, I was about to say that for many listeners I'm sure that an, an audio format is far more convenient than a video format so I'm very glad you've uh, made that statement there. Okay, well, let's uh, get straight into my observations here in San Francisco. Sure. I've been really surprised by the traffic that I've seen here. Firstly, there's not a tremendous amount of it, although I guess this is Well, it's over the holidays, yeah. It's it's not the normal situation. (laughs) And the second thing that surprised me, I had the impression that America was full of pickup trucks, large SUVs, and I've been really surprised at how many sedans I've seen over here. So it's quite a different profile, and all the Teslas I've seen 
at least half of them have been Model 3s, and so they really fit into that profile much better than I thought they did. Um, what are your thoughts on that sedan versus pickup truck and well, SUV? Well, I, I respectfully, I think you, you've got to remind yourself, as I have to remind myself, San Francisco is its own weird Tesla bubble. Like, this, it's not officially the company headquarters anymore. That's, of course, in Austin now, but... It's th- this was where Tesla started. Tesla is a Silicon Valley company, and just California, generally speaking, is has the highest concentration of EVs and certainly the highest concentration of Teslas. So there are many places you will go. Like for instance, I I'm originally from the state of New Jersey, but mostly grew up in Arizona, and I was just visiting my parents who are still in Arizona a couple months ago, and it it is you you would have a very different observation. It is a ton of pickup trucks. There. I see. Like, in, in fact, I would say it's probably, I don't know if it's the majority pickup trucks, but you would feel very differently. So it's its pretty uh, geographically specific, I think. And, and, you know, here it's... It's very much like New Zealand, to be honest. The, the selection of vehicles on the road, very similar to what we have at home. I see a lot of Prius and Accord yeah. and smaller sedans. And so this is why I had a question related to that, but I think you've probably answered it now. And that was, how do you feel the Cybertruck fits into this environment? Because to me, it does not. To me, I feel that the, the Cybertruck is one of those adventurous projects for a market which doesn't exist right here, from what I can tell. Um, that's a bold statement. And I know that you've personally been very much a proponent for the Cybertruck. You've been very much anticipating its yeah. release. So I'm interested to hear how you feel the Cybertruck fits into the market that we see in this little bubble of, of San Francisco. I think it's going to kind of create its own little market here, at least here, here, here in the Bay Area. Because um, I, I think there are going to be a lot of people that have the same story I do, where they've never bought a pickup truck in their life, never right. had an interest in a pickup truck in their life, yeah. but they love this truck. Right. And and so I think uh, I think they're going to be a good number of cyber trucks around around here and uh it's going to be a lot of and i say this respectfully but non-truck people i am i am one of those i am a non-truck person i've readily admitted on my podcast whenever i'm lucky enough to get a cyber truck i will almost never if possibly even never do any real quote-unquote truck things with it it is going to be a a glorified suv for for my use uh and I'm fine with that, and I don't really care what anybody else <laughs> thinks of that. But yeah, I think uh, it's they're going to pop up around here, despite the fact that San Francisco is a tight little city, because um, it's, it's just people that are excited about this particular vehicle. I don't want to take too much more of your time. However, the other item which I feel is very significant is the so-called third-generation vehicle platform. I, I find that an odd term for it because, of course, I think of the Model 3 as being the third generation of vehicle. That right, that's where the 3 came from. I thought so. Yeah. And I Since always think, Ford wouldn't let them use E. Right. So they went, alright, we'll just flip that E around and it's our third generation vehicle, Roadster, S&X, Model 3. Well, that's exactly how I see it. So I'm very glad we agree on a lot of things. But let's just say that this new generation platform, I see it as having a huge global market, especially in countries like New Zealand, where we tend to favour smaller, more efficient vehicles. I feel that the Cybertruck was almost pushing a rope up hills, a little like the Model X in terms of some great engineering challenges to overcome, making such a heavy vehicle. Stainless steel is, is heavier than other materials. And so it was always going to be you know, a heavy battery pack, a larger battery pack, which yeah. in turn makes the vehicle heavier, which in turn 
produces new challenges. And so I obviously think they've met all those challenges amazingly well. But at the same time, I'm looking forward to the smaller, lighter vehicle. And looking around the streets of San Francisco, I can't help but think that there must be quite a significant market here as well for yeah. such, such I, a vehicle. I am of the opinion that all you mentioned the Toyota Prius. The, the Prius, you know, there was a there was a, a, a South Park episode made about the, about the the, the uh, prevalence of the Prius in San Francisco because it it is a it is a like a real stereotype. There are a ton of Priuses around here because it's a small car that's very fuel efficient. It kind of you know a lot of people are drawn to that here, and I think you know the Model Three and, and certainly the Y as well. But the three has really started to to eat into the the Prius market, uh, and I think the the Generation Three Tesla. Uh, you know, however much it ends up costing, whether it's a twenty-five thousand dollar car or where it lands, but I think that is going to be the death knell of the Toyota Prius here in this area, and probably in many other places as well. Because you know, as, as you've seen yourself, Toyota is being foolishly resistant to the electric vehicle. Uh, their one on the market now is horrible, uh, only in the sense that its its range is laughable. The, the BZ4X or whatever weird alphanumeric combination it is but yeah I, th I think the generation three car is is gonna basically kill the prius at and least so, at least here in the san francisco area and so therefore have, have a huge impact here excellent well actually there's a few more things to talk about there firstly um, Toyota is a big brand in New Zealand. We, we have a lot of Japanese import vehicles. It makes both, sense. You're close by. Exactly. And they're also a, a right-hand drive country. So yeah. a lot of their used stock comes to New Zealand. So Toyota is a brand which has been sort of well-respected by people who are looking for economical, reliable sure. transport. Um, and they've earned that reputation. And, Absolutely. And so I think for a brand like Tesla, an American brand, to, to come into New Zealand and sell as well as they did was incredible. Um, it was absolutely, no one could have foreseen the success that Tesla was in New Zealand, I don't think. But um, leading into yeah, the type of person that owns a Tesla in San Francisco, and in New Zealand for that matter, I think it's quite similar. I think you have people here who are innovators, who are environmentally conscious, who want to just sort of enjoy what newest technology has to offer. And so, as you say, I think that's why um, I've come into this bubble and found it surprisingly familiar. And there is one other point around that, which is that in New Zealand, we have the Model 3 Highland out and about. So yes. I've been fortunate enough to see a number of them out on the road while I've been making my, my road trips across about an hour and a half journey I make quite frequently. And I've seen three Highlands on, on one of those trips, which surprised me. That means there must be several hundred out and about. I think it's a wonderful refresh of the car. I've I haven't actually driven one yet. I've sat in one and I've noticed how solid the door sounds when it closes. It's, it's really obvious that under the skin, Tesla has made a number of improvements yeah. to, the, to the platform. And um, what is it about the Highland that strikes you as being an interesting or a, a, a useful development? Is there anything that... Uh... <laughs> you know, I'm going to be interested to see if it has any noticeable effect on, on Model 3 numbers here. Um, because the three remains popular, but the Y is has completely overtaken it. I see. Uh, I mean, the, the numbers bear. I'm not like you know. That's obvious from when you do, when you look at production and delivery numbers, and you just look on the roads. But you know, the the Y is if you've got a family of four, it's it's the clearly obvious choice. I mean, I have a smaller family. It's three of us, and then the dogs. And the Model Three works perfectly well for us. Um, 
but yeah, Highland. I mean, it's 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 certainly a, a necessary refresh at this point. It's been long enough. I mean, a little more efficiency, a little more range is always good. Uh, I'll be I'll be kind of curious how the lack of stalks will go over in a, in the larger market because you know there was some griping about it with S and X, and I'm not saying that that griping is unfounded. I haven't spent enough time with a stockless Tesla to make my own evaluation, but uh, it's one thing to do that on the S and X, which those those are more upscale cars, and the and those customers are they're willingly buying into that. The three is much more of a mass market vehicle. And it's the sort of vehicle that you may pick up as a rental car. Sure. It may be your first That's exposure right. to Tesla. And so you want it to be a vehicle that doesn't alienate people. You yep. want them to feel relaxed and comfortable. I can give you a little early feedback from the owners who yeah. have them in New Zealand. So generally, you get used to it quite quickly, apparently. Um, the major irritation, I think, is the lack of a drive selector. So the, the lack of selecting forwards and backwards using a physical See, control. that to me seems like the least annoying part. It's just, you know, rather than pull, pull a stock down or push a stock up, you just swipe up or down four inches to the, well, for us to the right, for you to the to the left. But I think you would need to. <laughs> I think you would need to confirm that movement by looking at the screen. And you're right; it's on the other side for us. But I think the problem is using a physical control is a lot easier when you're making a quick maneuver. That is true, absolutely. And yeah. so I feel that the the indicator buttons were something that people about half of people don't like them very much, and about half of the owners say that it's something they got used to very quickly, like the looking to the left for us to, to look at the speed. Right. That, that was something which was also very controversial when it was first. Oh, yeah, I remember the, oh, there's no HUD. Oh, my gosh, it's, it's <laughs> going to be terrible. I was like, no, instead of glancing slightly down yes. at your speed in, a, in an instrument cluster, yes. you're, you're glancing slightly to my right, your left. It's, it's, this, it's no different. But you're right. You, you bought your Model 3 in 2018. Yeah. I bought mine in 2019. We're relatively early adopters in the big picture. And you are correct in that as time goes by, the, the people who are first exposed to these cars are, are going to become less and less tolerant of the quirks and special adjustments required. So I, I think you're correct. And I think that for the third generation vehicle platform, Tesla should probably keep that in mind. They, they should probably try to make the operation of the vehicle reasonably conventional. I would bet $100 that the generation three car will not have stocks. <laughs> they're, they're, you know, Tesla likes to delete parts. Elon specifically says, delete, delete, delete. If you haven't, if you, if you don't have to add parts back in, you haven't deleted enough. There is, I would be stunned if the Generation 3 car has drive stocks. Absolutely stunned. Well, actually, I agree with you, and I'm really just posing the counterpoint <laughs> just to make a good conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I think we agree on most things, Ryan, and I'm certainly not going to argue with you on anything, but it is interesting to think about these points and to think about how they relate to adoption of Tesla in a broader market because at the end of the day, that's what it's about. That's what Tesla is about, bringing electric vehicles to a broader market. Absolutely, system. yeah. Okay. Well, I don't want to take too much more of your time, but I do want to credit you for your tireless work to further the Tesla enthusiasm the world over. I know of no one else who has done more to further the, the, the as I say, the Tesla enthusiasm to get the right information out there and to provoke a discussion, thought about what makes Tesla great. And I'm sure I speak for thousands of people around the world when I say that you know, you're, you're a truly inspiring person. 
and you put an enormous amount of work. I know from the limited amount of editing that I do for this podcast, I know just how much work is involved in pulling something together. And we only operate on a very amateurish level compared to you, so I am greatly honoured that you've taken the time to be here today with me. I want to remind our listeners that you can, of course, find Ryan's podcast, Ride the Lightning, on all the major podcast platforms. I find it most convenient to listen to Spotify in my car, but you can also find it on Apple Podcasts, and I think the other um, platform for us is probably TuneIn in the car, although I'm not sure anyone uses that in New Zealand. Spotify is by far the more common one, uh, but you can find a version on YouTube with the audio only, and I would encourage you to look up Ryan on Patreon as well, because Patreon is used to support the creators of media like this, and we all know that Ryan puts in a tremendous amount of time, and he more than deserves your contribution on Patreon. So I encourage you to find Ryan there. Well, thank you for the kind words, Alex, and enjoy your time here in San Francisco. I certainly will. Thank you so much. Mm